Feeling some pressure to make a quick decision? Pastor Ed Taylor has this to say. Satan will so often pressure us into actions that we spend years regretting, if not lifetimes regretting, because we hurried into a situation without waiting upon God first and getting the mind of God. And if God wants it for you, listen, friends, if God wants it for you, it'll be there tomorrow, even after the Friday deadline. If God wants it for you, you don't have to worry about it. It'll be there next week. You can spend a week in prayer on it. And the more heavy the situation, the more prayer required and the less action. And just wait on the Lord. Speedily and pressure is not from the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Amy Carmichael once said, if God can make his birds to whistle in drenched and stormy darkness, if he can make his butterflies able to bear up under rain, what can he not do for the heart that trusts him? We know that trust is a must during the storms of life, but what's the normal course of action when a crisis strikes? Many of us sink deeply into discouragement, lose heart, and some even grow tired of God's will for their lives. Today on Abounding Grace, we learn a thing or two from a low point in David's life. In 1 Samuel 27, we learn there's nothing better for you and me than to trust God. He says in verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. See, everything was against hope. It was hopeless, but by faith he believed. May the Lord give you and me that kind of faith when things seem hopeless. Because just because they seem hopeless doesn't mean they are. Because you can, you can, even though everything is contrary to hope, here's the answer, everything's contrary to hope, but in hope you can believe. <laughs> so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants, see the plural, be. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. You know, Abraham was given the promise of a child and his body said, no way. If he went to the doctor, the doctor said, no way. If they did an ultrasound and checked for all the parts that were needed, no way. And did a test on all the things that were necessary, no way. And, and maybe the doctors didn't even do the test. And like, dude, look at yourself. Here's a mirror. It's free right there. You're old. You don't need a doctor for that. And I'm not going to speak about your wife. You can do that. I mean, from the age of their bodies, it's just like, no way. How often we've been ripped off from the best in God because we've trusted our eyes and we've relied upon our feelings. Instead of everything being contrary to hope, we just lose hope. But like Abraham, we need to follow him. Everything's contrary to hope, so what do you do? You are counterintuitive. That's how God is. That's how the life of the Spirit is. It would make sense in the natural realm, in the physical realm, in our humanity. If everything's contrary to hope, then let's just throw up our hands and be hopeless. But from the spiritual, in the Spirit, you never lose hope. Because God's the very source of hope. And a hopeless person is a fleshly person. That's where David is. A hopeless person 
is a fleshly person. Because in verse 20, mark this, memorize it. You want, you're looking for a verse to memorize? Mark this verse. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that he, speaking of God, had promised he was also able to perform. He did not waver at the promise of God. You can pray for that through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith. You can pray for that. Giving glory to God, you can do that. Being fully convinced, you can have that. That the promises of God, that the God that made the promise is also able to perform it. It will sustain you even in the most difficult times. It's trouble to think, to think to ourselves, and I quote, I better do something about it, because obviously, look, God isn't doing anything about it. Look, don't you see? And then you start asking, what do you think God's doing? God's doing nothing. What do you think God's doing? God doesn't do nothing. Well, what has God done before? You know, every single time God's done nothing. That, that's, that's not going to build your faith. You're going to start to believe the naysayers. You're going to start to believe the discouraging reports. You're going to start to conclude God isn't keeping his word. God's not fulfilling his promise. And as Pastor Chuck said, and I quote, that's just an open invitation for disaster. (laughs) Yes, sir, Pastor Chuck, you're right. I've seen it. The minute that I think I can take better care of my life than God, the minute that I think I can improve upon God's plan for me or my family, that I've got to take over now, and I've got to do it myself, and I'm feeling pressure, and I'm afraid, and I have unbelief, when I think I've got to help God out, well, you know, I, I know what God wants. I know, and you know what? I, how can God do it without my help? <laughs> and I jump in. It's disaster. Warren Wearsby put it this way. God was using the difficulties in David's life to make him a man of God and prepare him for the throne. But now he decided to go his own way and solve his own problems. God's children must be careful not to yield to despondency. Moses was discouraged over his heavy workload and wanted to die. Elijah ran from the place of duty because of fear and discouragement. And when we start to look at God through our circumstances, instead of looking at our circumstances through God's eyes, we'll lose faith, we'll lose patience, we'll lose courage, and the enemy will triumph. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. End quote. Remember back in verse 1. Making a lot of progress I know. But please do take note once again of that phrase, nothing better for me. That's a sad, false conclusion. Nothing better for me than to escape to the land of the enemy, David says. Nothing better for me than to cast my lot in with the Philistines. Because obviously King Saul and Israel isn't helping this life on the run for seven years. But really, the truth is, there's nothing better for you or me than to submit myself totally to the will of God. There's nothing better for you and me than to just rest in his care, leaning on his promises, looking to him for approval and help. And, and by the way, my, my heart goes out to you today if this is right where you are in your Christian life. This encapsulates the season of your life right now. My heart goes out to you. 
I'm not standing here judging you or putting you down. No way. It's a very sad thing to be in the middle of. It's a very sad thing to watch in a person's life. My heart actually aches with you, and I just pray that you, I just pray that you do the right thing. I pray that you exercise the faith that God has already given you as a believer. I pray that you trust him. As a matter of fact, let me just pray for you right now. God, I, I pray for those that are uh, back up against the wall, getting bad advice, talking to themselves, trying to figure it out, fearful, depressed, pressured, um, and they've come to the conclusion there's nothing better for me than to escape this problem. There's nothing better for me than to escape this difficulty. There's nothing better for me than to take things into my own hands. And I just pray you'd establish them by your promises and give them the faith that was given to Abraham. It wasn't much, but it was enough. And this has caused great trial and calamity, this attitude for so many. Not just the one making the decision, but the one that has to handle the consequences of that decision. And I just pray for those that might be under the heavy weight of conviction or perhaps even the heavy weight of condemnation tonight. That you would relieve them of that burden by drawing them to yourself. And where repentance might be necessary, you would speak that into their lives through brokenness and contrition, Lord. And we recognize, like David, we, we live a very imperfect life. And yet, at the same time, God, we, we want to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, David here in verse 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 because it says in verse 2 that he acted on his emotions, that David arose and went over with his 600 men. And then verse 3, it says David dwelt. And then it was told to Saul that he fled. And then Saul, so David saw the results because Saul sought him no more. It would be very easy to conclude my scheme worked. Because look at the result. It's so quickly. I feel so much better. King Saul left me alone. Disobeying God through lapses of faith never works. God never blesses that. And see, he's not just emotionally drained, but he's also feared with fear and anxiety for his life. He's tired. It's not fair. He's the godly man and paying a high price for the sins of someone else. So he's not just come to the wrong conclusion, but you see, there's another word here that, that you don't want to miss. And he, he speaks of this phrase, so I shall escape out of his hand. And, and the phrase that I want to point out to you is in the beginning where it says, there's nothing better for me than I should, mark that word, speedily. This is happening very quickly. That's a key for us. We don't want to miss that word. It would be not wise for us just to skip over that word. So let me give you the wisdom here. When Satan's beginning to pressure you into action, it's always got to happen quickly. You just know it's not from the Lord because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, long-suffering. Either depends on what version you use. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. The rottenness of the devil and the world system is quick and now. Got to do it. Do it now. Hurry. Don't think about it. Don't think about the consequences. Don't think about other people. Don't think, just, just get it done. You gotta go, 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 speedily. Get out of here. Make the decision. 
And even the present-day marketers, they totally understand this. I don't know if you totally understand it, but all of these, you know, the offer is not good. The offer is only good till Friday. What? Friday? It's only good till Friday? What's the price on Saturday? I mean, it just, it got you, you, you were completely no. He says, well, you know, when I walk out the door, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not the offer. Even marketers understand that and salespeople. Limited time, act now. How many infomercials have you seen, limited time, act now, that have been on the air for like 10 years? <laughs> if you just call right now, the first 30 people, right now. Oh my gosh, when? 1975? What, when is? What 30 people got that deal? I mean, come on now. The devil's just like that. Hurry up, do it now. And when we are pressured into the speedy decisions, then we act before we have an opportunity to pray, before we have an opportunity to spiritually think it through. We move out on our own without seeking the counsel of God. And that was David's problem. You know, he had the priest with him. He could have sought the Lord. He, he had the priest with him. He had his own prayer life. The priest had the ephah. David had been consulting God. God had already warned David that Saul was coming. God showed him. God delivered him. He sought God through the priest. But in this case, there's nothing about God seeking the Lord, seeking the will of God. He's acting now just out of his own analysis, his own emotion, his own situation, his own conclusions, not seeking any guidance, not seeking the counsel of God, and and not even giving anybody a chance to give him counsel. Why? Because he's got to move speedily. He's got to move speedily, even after... We see at the end of chapter 26 that God had already shown his presence. He had already tested him with Saul again. And Saul said at the end of 26, you know, I've sinned and all the empty words. But still, you can see the faithfulness of God. Satan will so often pressure us into actions that we spend years regretting, if not lifetimes regretting. Because we hurried into a situation without waiting upon God first and getting the mind of God. And if God wants it for you, listen, friends. If God wants it for you, It'll be there tomorrow. Even after the Friday deadline. If God wants it for you, you don't have to worry about it. It'll be there next week. You can spend a week in prayer on it. And the more heavy the situation, the more prayer required. And the less action. And just wait on the Lord. Speedily in pressures not from the Lord. Verse 5. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. Sixteen months in the enemy's territory. Sixteen months thrown away to never get again. Sixteen months of compromise. Sixteen months of sin. Sixteen months of corruption. Sixteen months of bad example to the men and the families that he had with him. David arrives and he goes right to the king. He wants favor with the king. No doubt the king, this is all military uh, exercise here. I'm sure the king is fine. An enemy of Saul is my friend. An enemy of Saul is my friend. I really mean, I mean, David could have been Achish enemy too. But as we've seen time and time again, like in the day of Jesus, if there's a common enemy, even the enemies become friends to destroy another person. Have you ever noticed that? I think there's a phrase. um, I don't know what it is. 
but I'm sure there's a phrase that you know, like your enemy is my friend or my friend. The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's probably some, from some mobster movie. Why are you guys watching that stuff? <laughs> so what is it? The, you're, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I, I've seen that many times. Jesus saw it. Perhaps you've experienced it. And here it is with David. But that's not the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is this, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. You can jot it down. When the ways of people please the Lord, he'll make even his, their enemies live at peace with them. That's the right phrase. The enemy of my enemy could be my friend when my ways please the Lord. And there can be reconciliation. Summarized there in verse 7, we see he met 16 months. And David must have thought he had it made. 16 months of relative peace. I mean, we find out that he goes out and fights and does some things in a moment, but at least Saul's not after him. It seems like a relative peace. Saul's not chasing him. The enemy's not harassing him. He became comfortable in the enemy territory, but it's not true. Things always start out seemingly easy, but sin always complicates things. I repeat, sin always complicates things. Verse 8, David and his men went up and raided the Gesherites, the, Giz, the, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, for those nations were the inhabitants of the land from old as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, against the southern area of Jeharamilakites, and against the southern area of the Kenites. Man, that's a, that's a pretty slick answer, isn't it? Where you been fighting today? Oh, in that area over there. You know, the area of Judah. You know the area. And what would Achish conclude? He's on my side. In the area of Judah, he's taking out Israel for me. Wow, what an ally to have. David would save neither man, verse 11, or woman alive to bring news to Gath. Right? He wiped everyone out. He's such so deep in his sin, so deep in his lie, that he would wipe everyone out so nobody could come back and say, you've got a problem, Achish. David is no friend of you. Unless they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And so was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever forever. These were all those area, these, these ites were all in the area of Judah in the southern part. David and his men launched attacks on the Canaanite tribes. David won every battle he fought, it says, but don't confuse outward success with the approval of God. Don't mistake what seemingly seems like peace and safety for 16 months of compromise. If you enter into the 16 months on day one and compromise, then every other day of 16 months will be another day of compromise. It doesn't change somewhere down the road. It's like, well, you know, I haven't experienced the judgment of God yet. It's coming. Yeah, but wait a minute. I thought Jesus took upon my, himself all the, the pain and penalty of my sin. He did. He did positionally before God the Father. But he didn't remove 16 months of compromise and the consequences of compromise. He didn't take that upon himself. He took the consequences of sin before God the Father so that you can stand as a holy, righteous man in Jesus Christ forgiven. But just because it's silent, just because you think it's peaceful, 
Just because you haven't dealt with the consequences yet, please don't confuse that with God's approval. Oh, look, David's successful. He won every battle against the enemy. Look at all that he got. He got the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys. Wow. The camels, the clothing. I mean, he's so rich, so much. But he's not doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he's lying and murdering. He made Achish believe he was killing his own people, but what Achish didn't know it was David, David's bent toward lying. Did you notice that in David's life yet? David had a bent toward dishonesty. He asked Jonathan to lie for him in chapter 20, verse 6. He lied to Elimelech in chapter 21, verse 2. And later he'll lie in a huge way when he tries to cover up his adultery and conception of a child with Bathsheba in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. This was an area in his life not submitted to God. This is Abounding Grace, and today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor represents one portion of a series in 1 Samuel. Purchase a CD copy of this message for just $2. We're here to serve you toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also download the messages from our website at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. When you get a chance, check out Pastor Ed's blog. It features raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief. That's at edtaylor.org. It's listeners like you that allow us to bring the teaching of God's Word to the radio and Internet. If you've been listening a while and grown as a result... We'd be very grateful for your financial and prayerful support. And for a gift of $25 or more, we'll send you the book Out of a Far Country by Christopher and Angela Yuan. This book describes the journey of a young man coming out and then coming home. Christopher was attracted to boys at a very early age, and he describes his journey to God. You'll also hear his mom's perspective, too. This works really well to read together in a small group setting as it has a discussion guide. Whether you're wanting to reach out and help someone who's struggling with these feelings or personally experience a same-sex attraction like Christopher, this is a must-read. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Ed, with an eye on the weekend ahead, what's going on these days at Calvary Aurora and how can our listeners be part of it? Well, we are enjoying a verse-by-verse study in the book of Hebrews in our weekend services. It's such a deep and yet practical, applicational book of the Bible that teaches us about our high priest and our friend, Jesus Christ, how he's so much better and so much greater than anyone in anything else. And we welcome you. You can join us if you're in town here. Uh, in the metro area of Denver, you can join us in person. We meet Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And if you're not in the metro area, you're listening to this around the country, then join us by way of our app or our website. We have live streaming services. All of our archives are on the website and on the app. Uh, so go to Calvary Aurora. That's A-U-R-O-R-A.org, calvaryaurora.org, or go to your app store or any device that you use and just put in the words Calvary Aurora. Put those two words in. Both of our apps will come up. We have a a church app with all of our resources and we have a radio app and they're both free. 
Uh, but study the Bible with us. And, you know, we, we enjoy passionate, heartfelt worship. We are a church open to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're a church that is dedicated to the Word of God. We're a church that welcomes everyone. Everyone is welcome at Calvary to come and hear the gospel and, and to come and see what Jesus is doing through our church. And, and it's, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. God has the offer and gift of forgiveness to you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You know, you don't have to get, you know, I'll go to church maybe when things get better or I'll tune in on the rate. No, 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 no. You walk into a church just like I did, jacked up, hurt, broken, hurting everyone around me. I mean, you don't have to have a testimony as bad as mine. I mean, it's okay. Not many people do. But you just come as you are and God will meet you there and you'll be a part of a loving caring fellowship family that continues to grow and we're just humbled and encouraged by the opportunity to serve so many in the love of Jesus Christ. So come on out Saturday night, six o'clock, eight forty-five, ten forty-five Sunday morning. Go to CalvaryAurora.org for directions. Uh, for you guys local, we're at we're just one block east of Tower in Hampton on Hampton in Southeast Aurora. God bless you guys. Hope to see you this weekend. If you'd like to learn more about the church, go to calvaryaurora.org. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Samuel. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.